your job is what you have to do. It's a transaction that you have to do to work. And if you're really lucky, you do something that's fun. And if you're really, really lucky, you do something that's fun and that is meaningful. And, but for the most, for most of us, we need to, we don't, we're not that fortunate. And so we do what's fun and what's meaningful outside of work. Like that's really the way the cookie ends up crumbling. Uh, it's a terrible <laughs> crumbling because if you don't get fulfillment from work, it's ridiculously unlikely. It literally, the chances are one in 100 that you will get fulfillment from life. Welcome to the Drew Perlman Show. Think of this podcast as the antidote to the fear, the noise, and the talking heads in the news. The show features an entertaining blend of ancient wisdom, empowering ideas, and cutting-edge, healthy living science to optimize your health and your life. All right, let's dive in and get started. Today's guest on the show is B. Bocalandro. B helps organizations and people ignite purpose at work. She is the author of Do Good at Work, How Simple Acts of Social Purpose Drive Success and Well-Being. B has been published in Harvard Business Review, the Boston Globe, and other major publications, and has been featured on Forbes, Fox TV, and other media outlets. As a founder and president of the global purpose advisory firm, VeraWorks, B has two decades of experience helping businesses make customer interactions more human, products more inclusive, operations more environmentally sustainable, marketing more charitable, or otherwise make work more meaningful. Her clients, it's a long list of clients here, um, from Aetna, Bank of America, Disney, Eventbrite, FedEx, IBM, Levi's, Toyota, Western Digital, the list goes on and on. She lives in San Clemente, California with her husband. B, welcome to the show. Thank you, Drew. I'm thrilled to be here. Very nice. It, it is such an honor to have you here. And and I was telling B, B is a second. So I have a dear friend of mine, Debbie, who is one of my yoga students and and just a wonderful person. And, and B is the second guest that uh, Debbie has brought me. So all, all of you amazing listeners out there, if you have if you have a guest that you think uh, should be on the show, by all means, reach out. Um, but we're, we're so excited to have B. And uh, B, I wanted to start by just talking a little bit about your book, Do Good at Work, this amazing book. And, you know, one of the things that really, really hooked me in was the very beginning of you and your six, your six-year-old self talking to your poppy. And he, he said something really quite amazing when you, when you were talking to him and he was doing um, some engineering work in Venezuela and he said to you, my precious little sky, and I know he said something it was it was that's being translated, but you will need to find better source sources of joy as you grow up. You will need to listen beyond the clamor of your wants for the whisper of the world's needs. And B, I'm wondering how has your was your book shaped or influenced maybe by your father's work and his message? Drew, that is like such a insightful question because when I, the book really originated from my professional work and I had spent 
about 10 years helping companies ignite purpose across the the entire enterprise so that employees wouldn't just be working for uh, someone's shareholder price. And I wrote the book to help anybody do meaningful work, even if they're a parking attendant or even if they're driving a FedEx truck. And it came really the origin of it, I thought was coming entirely from my professional work where I thought those who who don't have the the luck really of working at an employer that is trying to give them a sense of purpose in their jobs, they can do it themselves. Like it's a it's a do it do it yourself kind of tool. And as I wrote the book, uh, writing a book, as you know, is a very interesting endeavor because it takes you deeper into yourself than I think, at least I expected. And as I wrote the book and I explored these deeper questions, it became clearer and clearer that my father had been giving me, you know, this guidance on how to make work meaningful my entire life. And actually he had been living it. And it's not that I wasn't aware of it. It's, it's that I didn't realize how beneficial it, it was until I really started exploring it. So I wrote uh, an early version of the book, had my father who's, you know, named Poppy in the book, uh, just a little bit sprinkled throughout. And then early readers were like, he's, he's like this, uh, you know, like the Oracle of Delphi or something, you know, we need to hear more from him because he is a source of wisdom. And I thought, you know what? They're right. <laughs> They're right. I shouldn't keep his wisdom to myself. I should, uh, I've benefited from it. And so, he ended up being as you, he's kind of a folk hero with, uh, with readers. And I, I have, people have even put oh. him on mugs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> B is holding up a mug with her father's picture. So, uh, it's very interesting. Cause as you know, my, from reading the book, my father is a complicated man and not everything is great, but it didn't, writing the book made me really grateful that I had him as a father, which is something that wasn't necessarily there uh, before I started writing the book. Uh, so anyway, it's um, it was kind of a personal journey to, to rediscovering how valuable he had been in my life. Well, you know, you're, you're such a great writer because when when I was reading through the book and then I got to chapter eight and you're sitting down with someone and the, and the chapter eight is called the risks of not job purposing. And you're sitting down with someone who's sort of like sort of being a little bit difficult at the table. And then you said, this is, this is Poppy again later. Um, and, and it's really fascinating about, you know, how you get both sides of the coin with him the beginning of the book when you were younger and he was really following his purpose. And then later in life where he really wasn't and he was a different, different person. Yeah. And you know, my siblings, you know, they, 
they said, you know, when I got to that part of the book, I started crying, you know, uh, because it was such a stark contrast. And what I find really between like being at your best, you know, and I love your voice out there because it's so clear that you're helping people be at their best. And that's like we want what we want, you know, to be the, the healthiest and, and the best for the world. And and when my father was there, he was incredible. And then it's not necessarily be at your worst. And this is where it's a little insidious. It's just, it's just when we drop down into self-protection. And I feel like, you know, I do that on a weekly basis, at least it's like, okay, you know, I've had it. I'm just going to work for the paycheck and run for the hills because, you know, I feel diminished by my clients or, I'm, you know, I'm just, I just feel like giving up. In fact, I, I kind of joke that I give up every day in the afternoon. <laughs> I'm like, this is not working, you know, and then I either need to take a nap, have some chocolate or go for a walk and I'm fine. But, uh, but it's, you know, it is this human struggle where I think as soon as we, and the reason I say descend into self-protection is because you know, I'm kind of using an updated version of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but the job purposing that you mentioned, which basically means making any meaningful contribution you can from whatever job you have, that's what job purposing is. And that's what my father was just a master of, uh, is, is the very top of the hierarchy, what Maslow calls self-transcendence. But it's very easy to be thrown off, even if you're if you're able to be up there and go to the you know the the fear response, and it's like I don't have enough money, I don't have enough time, I don't get enough recognition, and instead of following his advice of listening beyond the clamor of our wants for the whisper of the world's needs, we're just completely tuned into our own wants and really that's and, and you know he he became kind of a miserable person both like he felt miserable and he was miserable to be around because he just that's the area he was inhabiting at that point in that chapter eight yeah i mean and you could feel it i mean and you know he was such a he was such a um it seemed like such a charismatic but also just into so many different things like a renaissance man almost but it did it did get the sense that he when he started the business that ultimately got destroyed by the oil company um because he just he just he just couldn't get out of that it sounded just like the the anger and the frustration in the in the courtrooms and um, right. you you really can feel that because it's happened to so you know you hear about this happening to so many people yeah and that's I mean, I guess that's kind of the tragedy upon the tragedy is that it's not like he wasn't justified to be angry. And it's not like he wasn't justified to, you know, maybe want to be more self-protective. But what's fascinating is that in the end, that's what really diminished his life the most was that in his mind he was doing justice 
but because he it 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 wasn't very transcendent, it really undermined his well-being. Mm. Yeah. Well, well, Bia, I wanted to just to just to transition a little bit back to um, the job pers- purposing and, and really why it's so good for us. You, you have a great quote in your book. You say job purposing helps us accomplish more and become healthier and happier. But job purposing's most profound contribution is that it helps us become the whole beings we are meant to be. I'd love for you just to, to talk a little bit about some of the benefits of job purposing. Yeah. So, I, you know, most of us have grown up with the idea that the, your job is what you have to do. It's a transaction that you have to do to work. And if you're really lucky, you do something that's fun. And if you're really, really lucky, you do something that's fun and that is meaningful. And but for the mo- for most of us, we need to we don't we're not that fortunate. And so we do what's fun and what's meaningful outside of work. Like that's really the way the cookie ends up crumbling. Uh, It's a terrible (laughs) crumbling because if you don't get fulfillment from work, it's ridiculously unlikely. It literally, the chances are one in 100 that you will get fulfillment from life. And all of this is footnoted in my book, as you know. So all the sources. So really work is the best, especially if you work full time, is not just the best place to get fulfillment in life, but it might be the only place for most of us with full time work. And in fact, it's our legacy, because the idea of job purposing is that whatever job you have at the end of the work week, you feel like you made a contribution to others or to a societal cause. So for example, um, let's go back to the example of, um, parking attendant. So it's like, well, how can a parking attendant do that? Well, there's a parking attendant named Leroy in Washington, DC. And he realized that a lot of the cars that were parked there had tires. And he thought, whoa, that can cause highway fatalities. That's a terrible thing. And so he just decided, I'm going to measure the tire tread and alert any owners that uh, might be driving a dangerous car. Now, every shift, he's basically reducing highway crashes and fatalities. So that seems like a very small thing. Uh, But what he has done is he has morphed his job into something that is meaningful for the broader society out there, something that is a contribution to the broader society. And by doing that, he has reclaimed the legacy that we as humans have of work that is job purpose, right? That is that inherently has purpose because when, you know, 10,000 years ago, when our hunter-gatherer ancestors went to hunt, we didn't hunt for that piece of meat that then we would put in our own little icebox and 
feed it to ourselves and our spouse and our two children. The hunting expedition would bring down a big mammal for a tribal feast. We didn't raise our own hut and like watch our neighbors struggle with their hut. It's like the entire tribe would raise one hut and then the next hut and then the next hut. So really this concept of work being primarily a contribution to the nuclear family is really, is it's, it's a human aberration. And most of us are there. Like we work for our own bonuses. It's not, it's not even the team bonus, it's our own bonus. We work for our own promotions, for our own paychecks. And that just goes to our household. And what we don't realize is that we're not wired for this. This this feels terrible to us, but we don't know why it feels terrible. And so when as soon as Leroy is using part of his shift and it only takes him a few minutes, you know, probably in the whole shift, it's probably, you know, 12 minutes total. It's very little. He has now put himself in a situation where work is inherently fulfilling and you know, that single mother that gave him a hug and said, I had no idea I was driving my three-year-old in a dangerous car absolutely helps. But actually, even that is not essential because it's just his, him carrying around this confidence that his labor matters, that, you know, potentially there's one crash that's not going to happen out there because he alerted someone to go get, you know, their tires replaced. Amazing. And, and as you, and as you say in the book, I mean, it's, you know, we do a lot of shows on health and it, as you say, it's, it's, there's studies that show it's better for your happiness. It's better yeah. for your health. I mean, this is incredible. Right. Right. So let me just give you a few, <laughs> as soon as Leroy does this, this is what the research shows. So at work, he's, uh, you know, 13% more satisfied, 20% more engaged. So that means that he's more likely to work harder than the job minimally requires. He's more likely to be in flow, 20% higher, 24% higher productivity. So he's actually a better worker by broadening what his job is about to being a societal contribution. Most people would think, well, as soon as you take your focus away from like just parking the car and getting out of there, you're, you know, you're go your productivity is going to go down. It's exactly the opposite. And that's a, that 24% comes from a really, really well done study by economists at the university of Chicago. So that it's a super solid number, 40% higher chances of careers of a promotion, 10% higher chances of getting a raise. Okay. So the moment Leroy found a way to purpose his job, he gets all those benefits in his in his career in his work and actually Leroy was actually hired by someone in the building where the parking lot is uh he's now an office manager so that kind of shows you his upward mobility okay and then as you mentioned the health ones right so lower stress literally the cortisol your cortisol levels are lower and it's instant so the moment, you know, the moment we do something for someone else or for a societal cause out there as part of our of, of our jobs, uh, that instant 
our cortisol drops, our oxytocin uh, increases, our dopamine increases. So these are the, the, the happy hormones. Cortisol is the stress goes down. I mean, I'm sure your, your listeners know this because I've heard your episodes are, are really um, wonderful around kind of the health. So happier. And the happiness, let's just say that Leroy, you know, he tells a single mother, you know what? I looked at your your tires, they're they're bald. Um, this is dangerous, you know, and he gets the hug, the whole thing. You'd think like, oh, okay, well, you know, I could see how that would make him happy, you know, for a few minutes, a few hours. Okay, they have shown that when he goes to bed that night, he's gonna sleep better because he's happier. And they have actually shown that two weeks later, the happiness um, boost is still there. Two weeks later, okay, from something that small. Um, Also, better social life. So uh, people who have purpose jobs uh, have better friendships, more supportive spouses, all of that. and in fact, the health effects, lower um, lower chances of a higher high cholesterol. So actually, it's not even lower chances of high cholesterol. It's like if you started off with high cholesterol, um, they showed in one study. Now, this one was done on, on teenagers, but they, don't, they, they have no reason to suspect it's not the same with adults. But in one study, the cholesterol drop was the same for essentially job purposing than it was for exercise or medication. So it will literally make you happy, um, healthier. And in fact, the health effects are so significant that you are 24% less likely to die in any given year. If like Leroy, you find a way to take whatever job you have and purpose it. Mm. So that is how hardwired we are for work that makes a contribution, that it has such a profound effect on our success and on our well-being. Amazing. And, and, I, and I love how you say in the book, you, you have a great quote from yourself where you say, if your job doesn't improve the world, improve your job. And, and that was so great. One of, one of the examples, too, I love Leroy's story. You tell some wonderful stories in the book so people can go in and, and, and read some of these. But you also tell the story of an air of a singing. Well, well, it's the story of a Dallas airport attendant, I think, who, yes. who had a had a fascinating way of improving his job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And actually, this I was I was so miserable that morning. I'm in the TSA line and I didn't get enough sleep. I'm not looking forward to the trip. And I just hear just a few measures of someone singing happy birthday, you know, further ahead in the TSA line. And I'm like, well, that guy has a nice voice. And I I get up there and I realize, oh, wait, I, I recognize the talking voice. It was the TSA attendant. So I like put it together and I'm like, oh, he's looking at IDs. He knows when it's someone's birthday and he is therefore uh wishing people a happy birthday. And he said, so he, I guess on the side, he, he, he was in a band and he sang. So, and he said that he just started doing that, you know, just kind of being playful. Uh, and one day this gentleman, uh, said, 
you know what? You are the only person who has acknowledged that today is my birthday. And it was in the evening when he said this. So, you know, pretty much the whole day was gone. And the the TSA agent said, when I heard that, I was like, I am not letting another person go through my line without me singing a few bars of happy birthday. And what's really interesting is like, as soon as he told me the story, I like how that I was sleep deprived, that I was not happy about this trip, all of that went away. And it wasn't just because I was like, oh, another example of job purposing, which was my lens. It probably would have happened to anybody because that's the other thing is that when you job purpose, you actually, even if, even those who are only witnesses of your job purposing, you're improving their lives. It's, it's called, um, elevation. So when, when we witness someone making a contribution to someone else, we actually just benefit from that. So some of those health benefits occur there as well. And while he was telling me the story, this, uh, a, a woman who was also a TSA agent chimed in and said, you know, there are some people that he had just told me the story about the gentleman that, um, you know, was like teary eyed and said, you're the only person who has acknowledged my birthday. But the woman said, and what's amazing is like, there are also people that, you know, maybe they're, they're with loved ones and they've, you know, received many birthday congratulations, but even those cases, he's just, up, you know, increasing their happiness, like at least a smidgen. And that's the other thing that you don't have to, you know, save someone's life to have your job be meaningful. If you, if you just make a whole bunch of people just a little bit, you know, more likely to have a bounce in their step or to just feel a little bit better about themselves or to just be a little more energized that is a huge contribution as well. And that's what she noticed. Um, and I, you know, I, job purposing is simple, right? You hear this and it's like, oh, okay, what's my version of singing? What's my version of checking tires? Um, but it's not easy to begin with. And that's one of the reasons why I put so many examples in the book. So there are people like you, like all sorts of stories of people job purposing out there, everybody from, you know, manufacturing plant managers to Lyft drivers. Right. But again, starting is not necessarily easy. So I just want your listeners to know that it might take a little bit of time. It might take a few weeks to start seeing the possibilities. You know, the, my, my dad's advice to like, listen to the whisper of the world's needs. We're not, most of us are not tuned into that as part of our jobs. And so it will take a little bit of time to tune into, to see to see the ball tires or to see that it's someone's birthday and that maybe they weren't, uh, you know, they, no one acknowledged it. Mm. Yeah. And, and I love, I love how you bring in elevation and, and you talk about the reach of the ripple and this ripple effect that happens when, uh, when you, as you say, it's, it creates 
fascinatingly, it creates a ripple through, as you say, through time into the future. And when when you job purpose and, and you give another, you tell another great story about a, a busboy who um, was working at a restaurant. I'd love for you to tell that story. I mean, that I think that kind of brought tears into my eyes. I'd love yeah. to hear about the reach of the ripple. Yeah. So Will was a busboy at a casino and he uh his he was very young uh, and you know maybe 1920 something like that uh his basically at this point like the parents uh were dead or gone and so he he's with a grandfather he's got younger siblings he's the one who's bringing money in they're living in like a motel 6 and the holidays come around and he's too embarrassed to admit that they're in such a dire situation. So when so when co-workers are sitting around going like, oh, what are you guys doing for Christmas gifts and stuff? He just starts making stuff up and he's like, I'm going to get myself a guitar and I'm going to get my younger brother this and I'm going to get my grandma the, and we're going to like bake, you know, some kind of pudding, you know, Christmas pudding. And he's just going off on his fantasy, none of which could happen, not even the cooking, the, the pudding. Like that's how 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 dire their situation was. And as the holidays approach, he shows up one day and there are all these wrapped boxes and his uh, his coworkers had gotten him everything he had lied about so that he could take it back to uh you know to their motel room and celebrate a christmas and i mean it's such an amazing story and the reason i know the story is because i learned about will i think about 10 years later how what a fantastic manager he was because his entire team was job purposing all the time. And so his team does things like routinely when there's a new hire, usually the new hires are younger. And, you know, when you have your first job out of high school or college, you usually have no money. Uh, you know, especially like the, 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 the women, uh, the team would get together and go like, how are you doing on work clothes? You know, because you know, we can, do you need anything? Do you need scarves? Do you need this? And so that's a form of job purposing. And that's what his team members did. And, you know, there's one, one person on his team who's a mechanic and he would, you know, the cars are all in the parking lot. So he walks out and he's like, oh yeah, you know, you looks like, you know, you need new spark plugs or whatever it is. He would help like that. So his team is job purposing all the time. I learned about this. I reached out to him and I said, can I interview you? And uh, so I interviewed him and he said, the reason I'm like this is because 10 years ago I was a bus boy and he told me that story. That's the ripple. So we, we know, and the scientists who have measured this find that the recipients of job purposing, the beneficiaries of job purposing, go out and do and triple the amount of 
positive acts that they go out and do in the world. And it doesn't have to, some of this is in their own personal lives. So that individual who received the happy birthday song from the TSA agent might go home and frankly be nicer to their spouse, right? Like it's, it's that powerful. It, it kind of shifts everything towards contribution. And for those of you listening who are managers, this is a amazingly powerful culture shift tool. So if you can start the job purposing in your group, again, it will ripple, it will go out there and all of a sudden you go from like a neutral culture to a really positive workplace culture, or even from a toxic culture to a positive culture. It's that powerful. That is amazing. Wow. And I didn't realize that's how you found out about Will and that story. That's, that's, that's so, so cool. This episode's sponsor is Microbiome Labs. For the last nine years, Microbiome Labs has been committed to advancing understanding of the human microbiome. They're at the helm of innovation, putting new formulations and technology in the hands of healthcare practitioners and patients. Among many other novel innovations, MBL can now help improve the gut-brain connection with their ZenBiome Cope and ZenBiome Sleep products. Maybe it's been a while since you've re-examined your probiotic choices, the science around the microbiome or novel solutions that are coming out every day. Microbiome Labs will be here at the forefront of science, continuing to pioneer health in this space. For more about this strain and other gut microbiome products, just visit microbiomelabs.com. And as a special bonus for the Drew Perlman Show listeners out there, receive 15% off your total order from Microbiome Labs by just using the discount code that is in the show notes. Be a few final questions actually about you and in, in your life. I'd love to know what are some of the daily practices that you do every day that make you feel the most alive? Yeah, so I'm always adjusting my daily practices. <laughs> I seem to like always uh, but right now I'm, I'm in this really sweet spot. So I, um, I usually wake up at around seven and then one of the first things uh, my husband and I do is we do the gratitude, three things we're grateful for. Uh, you know, I'm sure your listeners are well aware of the, the, the benefits of gratitude. And then I, I get his cup of coffee and th- it's like as much for me as for him. It's like this ritual of like, I'm starting off with contribution. Um, I make my tea and then I jump right into work actually. In the morning, I, I, I really love my work and I, I've usually been wrestling with something. So in the morning and it's, it's, it's the, but I will say I work on what I want to. So most days right now I'm working on my second book. Like it's not what people are expecting of me. It's not the client stuff. It's, it's, it's like the, I work on the projects that are pushing me in the direction where I want to be in five years. It's kind of the long-term view. So I do that for about a couple of hours and then I put on my wetsuit and I paddle out because we're two blocks from a surf break. And, uh, <laughs> and then I'm out there for, you know, about an hour and then I come back and I do client work. 
So that morning between like getting something done, the gratitude, and then the being out there in nature, nature is essential to me. So uh, really, I think puts me in a really a, a, gr- a great place for well-being and success. So you're a purpose advisor, author, surfer. <laughs> well, no, my, my surfing is terrible, so, <laughs> but it's fun. All right, that hey, that's what you, that you is. Would, if you saw it, you'd be like, uh, be uh, it doesn't quite look like surfing. <laughs> Keep work. I'm new to California, so I'm a beginner. So okay, but, okay, but it, it's but it in terms of wellness benefits, it's it's amazing. Are the waves pretty good in San Clemente for uh, for surfing? Hey, we are we're home of the U.S. surf team, so oh, very good. Yeah, we have yeah. I I go I I do the beginner break so I never see those guys, <laughs> but but they're there somewhere. All right, yeah. all right. If if someone is listening, and and I think I know what you're going to say to this, a lot 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 of that we've already, that you've already mentioned. But if someone is listening, feeling a little powerless, a little hopeless about their life and their future, and they were with you, what what might you tell them? Uh. I would say you have a lot more autonomy around your job than you probably think. And most, I mean, we've gotten better since the pandemic, but like most of the time when we talk about health and wellness, we're talking about our personal lives. And I would say, don't overlook like what a contribution your work as a platform for doing good can make to your well-being. Uh, so, and then, uh, yeah, in the you know the the pithy way of saying that is 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 the quote that you used, which if your job doesn't improve the world you know, improve your job. Love it. And, yeah. And and if you could, final question, if you could travel back in time, say 40 years or so, what words of wisdom do you think you'd share with your younger self? I, you know, there's one section, so you can tell on Kindle what people highlight in the book. And there's this one highlight, which I, I don't have it memorized, but that struck me as odd to be in the top 10. And basically what I say in that part is if we, if our intent uh, behind our actions is contribution in the end, we will be making meaningful contributions. And I was just surprised that that was highlighted. And what it made me realize is that I think this is the case for me. So when I was young, I obsessed a lot on what my actions were. Like really, like when I was at my best and I wanted to contribute, it was like, well, is this really a contribution? Is this too much? Is it like going to insult them? And in the end, the world doesn't respond to the action. 
in the end, the world responds to the intention behind the action. So what I would tell my younger self and any young listeners that you have is just check your intentions. If your intention is contribution, don't sweat exactly the shape of the action. Just do the best you can and do it because it's the intention that the world will eventually respond to, not the action itself. Mm, 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 mm. That was beautiful. Love it. <laughs> B, where can people go to learn about more about you, about your work, your book? Where should they go? Yeah. And actually, you know, I, I said earlier that um, job purposing is simple, but not easy. And I have a job purposing tool. It's free. I should have mentioned that earlier. So if you go to uh, dogoodatwork.com, it's there. You can go in there and answer a few questions about your job and it will give you an idea to like go out there and try. Um, but there's also a whole bunch of other research uh, resources there. So dogoodatwork.com. I'm also fairly active on LinkedIn and um, Twitter as well. And um, it's both places, Bebo Calandro, you can, or something close because my last name is complicated, but uh, <laughs> you'll find me. We'll put it in the show notes too. Okay. So people can just go over to the show notes and click and find it right there too. Um, B, this was, this was wonderful. Thank you so much. This is awesome. Um, it was my pleasure, Drew, and uh, keep up the great work helping people with their uh, well-being and with their success. I Oh, my pleasure. You do such great work. Thank you for listening to The Drew Perlman Show. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. In the words of Mark Twain, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the things you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, and catch the trade winds in your sails. Explore, dream, discover, and stay well, everyone.